Well, good morning. It is great to be with you today, and I'm excited because I got to already sit through the first service, and the first service, I got a pile of notes that I, I just want you to know. I told Madison I could preach this message. And it wouldn't be the first time that one of us preached someone else's message uh, between the two of us, because that happened to us in Africa. Uh, and and uh, so this morning, you know, I'm just, I'm just reminded that Madison and I ha- have traveled uh, the world together um, between here and Africa, and uh, that, that uh, this is a, a precious brother that, that we love. He's one of our deacons here at Silver Creek, and... Um, He's a hero of the faith, and uh, he is somebody that is my friend, and so I am very excited to hear Madison. Would you just welcome him today as he shares? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I want to just first of all thank you everyone who is here today. For those that are online and those that are in the hub, those that are here in the sanctuary, but it's my honor and privilege just to share with you the word of God this morning. You know, we just sang a song that says, blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, you know what it means to bless the name of the Lord? It means uh, to praise. It means to exalt. It means to worship. It actually means to speak well of the Lord. When we bless his name, it means that we speak well of him. How many of us here love people who speak well about them, right? When you hear this person spoke well about you, you, you know, your face, your face lights up and you are happy and like, wow, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. It was me they're talking about, yeah, it was, it was actually me, yeah? Um, but God wants to be spoken well of. Well, I want to thank Pastor Kevin for this opportunity to share God's word this morning. Um, so he is, uh, a, you know, he is a brother you know, by the way, you notice that we share a lot of things in common, you know, by the way, you know, we, we you know, it's just that I'm a little tanned version of him, you know. Um, you see, we have lots of hair and things like that. And so we, we share a lot in common. Of course, he said we traveled to Africa and all of that, right? But uh, thank, I thank God for him. And uh, this is November and it's a month of giving thanks. And there's just something special about the month of November for me. Uh, This is the month that I was born. This is the month that my wife was born. In fact, between my wife and I, we have, you know, uh, 17 and 18. I'm born the 17th. She's born the 17th. She's born the 18th of this same month. So there's just something about the month of November that is so special for us. But I I am praying that uh, that, um, this month we get to really understand you know, what it means to give thanks. So my word and my, the message I'm sharing with you this morning simply is the power of giving thanks or the power of thanksgiving, if you will. Well, you see, the word thanks is mentioned in the Bible about 139 times. So it's pretty serious. It's pretty serious. In fact, the concept of giving thanks is mentioned about a hundred and seven times in the Old Testament and 72 times in the New Testament, meaning that God wants us to be a grateful people. God doesn't want us to be a a bunch of grumpy-looking people who have nothing to say, right? But if we are honest, giving thanks is always a struggle. 
Um, because we always ask ourselves, what is it to give thanks about? Is it about my messed up life? You want me to celebrate the fact that I just lost my job? Or what are you talking about, right? Sometimes we struggle with thanks, this very concept of thanksgiving. And because we struggle with this concept of thanksgiving, guess what we do? Uh, we say to ourselves, well, when I get the house of my dreams, guess what? I will sure be thankful. Yeah, I mean, come on. You get the house of your dreams. Why will you not be thankful? That's how we think. We think to ourselves, well, when my relationship with my spouse or my child or my friends gets fixed, sure, I'll be grateful. Come on, I, I will be grateful. I mean, watch me. I will be grateful, you know. <laughs> oh, when, my, when I get that business deal, when I close that deal, I will be grateful. That's how many of us look at it. Or when I just recover from that horrible disease, I know the, you know, the cancer or the high blood pressure or the heart issues. You know, when I just recover from that, I will be thankful. Because, I mean, who, who will not be thankful? That's how we think about it. Or when I get that employment, when I get that job of my dreams, I will sure be thankful. But there is some, there's a problem with this concept of thankfulness where it is predicated on something that has to happen in your life first before you give thanks. And because, I don't know about you, but I noticed that when you put your thanksgiving based on something, uh, most of the time, even when you get that thing that you are looking for, you are likely not to really be as thankful as you thought you will be. Okay, let me give you a good example. I know uh, this might not relate to you, but, uh, but let me just say this. So think about you, you know, you are, you know, you are thinking about the house, the house of your dreams, right? You know, you know you, you, when you are getting, you're like, my God, I want the one that has a lot of, you know, uh, acreage. I want a lot of land and trees and I want my, a large yard, you know. You want to sit there and, and look and, and you, you see the deer passing on the other side of, and then on the other side you have, you know, turkeys and we were talking about this morning and the other side you're like, man, this, is, this belongs to me. This is my estate, yeah? <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, we, 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 that's how we feel, right? Then we want to say, oh my God, I want a driveway that can park about 10 cars so that when, they, when my friends come out for a barbecue or a, a tailgate party or whatever it is, you know, 10 cars can park there and I don't need to think about parking on the street, you know? I want to have that much of a kind of house. Many rooms, you know, you know, basement, and then there's first floor, and then there's second floor, maybe third floor even. Whichever one we want, right? And then, but no sooner do we get it. And then uh, it's, it's summer, and then there's several acres of land that we now have, we, not, we have now to do lawn mowing. And then suddenly we are not nearly as uh, happy as we thought we will be. And the winter comes. And then the driveway becomes a sea of snow. And you have to shovel your way out of that place in the morning before you get to work. And then you are not as nearly as you know, happy as you thought you will be. Uh, then the tax season comes and then the county sends to you a bill. Uh, you, know, for, you know, for property taxes. Oh my God, and you notice that the little place that you used to live at the apartment complex, you never even worried about taxes. <laughs> then suddenly you are reminded now that you have to, and you're like, my God, is this, is this really a blessing now or is it a C word or whatever? Uh, what is it? What's going on? And so you see, if you 
want to give thanks only when something good happens to you, you are most likely not to really be thankful. Right? Because no sooner does it happen, then you notice that there is another thing. So I discovered from the word of God that our thanksgiving has to be hooked to something different from just having a nice car and having a nice house. My kids are doing all right. My health is wonderful. And my job, I just got promotion from my job. My business, you know, I just got closed on this huge deal with the state or with the federal government or with companies and all of that. Our thanksgiving has got to be something better than that. But here's what the Lord says. Let me read something from you. Psalm 107, 1 to 3. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered them from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. So in this passage, the Bible says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. You see, when you give thanks to the Lord for because of who he is, then your thanksgiving can never cease. Your thanksgiving is not tied to something happening or not happening. You see, when you give thanks to the Lord for he is good, what you are saying is, whether I experience good things in my life, it does not change who God is. He is still good. Whether bad things happen to my life, it does not change who God is, for God is still good. By the way, we just sang a song that says what? It says, he turns what? He, you know, what the enemy meant for evil, he turns it for our good. Because he's a good God. That's how good he is. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says what? It says that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are the called according to his purpose. So all what you and me need to be in, the attitude that you and me need to be in, is to be in this attitude where we love God with all of our heart. And if we love him and we are serving him like we should, then even when things go wrong, and they will, because he promised us, by the way, he didn't even lie to us. Jesus looked at them in the face and said, in this world you have tribulations. <laughs> yeah. He said, in this world you will have tribulations. But he said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. So we have a God who is good. So he is good when we are not even good. That's the other side of things, right? You know, because sometimes we, you know, we, we, we feel like we deserve the good things of life. We are not even good people. You know, you know yourself like I know myself. It's not all the time that I'm, I look like the, the, you know, the, the, the washed up nice version of me on Sunday. Hello? <laughs> you know, but, but, but here is the deal though, is that we have to have the right attitude when we come before God. We are to give him thanks for he is good and for his steadfast love endures forever. In other words, he loves us. You know, that's why we sing the song. He is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. And then we say, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. 
reason why we thank God is because His love for us is unconditional. By the way, human love is always tied to something. I love Mary because uh-huh, she played, you know, I love Mary because she's a wonderful friend. She's always, you see, it's always tied to something. Human love is always conditional. But the kind of love that God has for you and me is unconditional. So this morning I'm talking to you about the power of thanksgiving. Why should we give thanks? Number one, it is the way we access God's presence. You might never have known that. Do you know that you can never get into the presence of God except that you are thankful? Look at what Psalm 100 says. Psalm 104 and 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Verse 5, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Do you notice something between this and the one I read at first? The reason for thanking God, the reason for thanksgiving is always because of the Lord. You see, not because of your dream house. Not because of your nice job. Not because of your bank account that just got a bump. <laughs> not because of all of that. Not that the problem is not that we, I'm not trying to say that we cannot thank God for all of these things. I am saying that we thank God because He is good. That is why He has done those things in our lives. You see that? You go to the core of the issue, you go to the root of the matter. It's because He is good. He gave you that wonderful spouse of yours because He is good. You know, he is going to restore your children. Why? Because he is good. He is going to uh, provide for you and me. Why? Because he is good. He is going to heal you and me. Because why? Because he is good. And even when in like in Daniel's situation, you know what Daniel said, right? We've been going through the, the fire, the, you know, the fire series, right? We know that even when the three Hebrew children were in the fire, were, being, uh, were to be thrown into the fire, they said, Even if God does not deliver us, we still know that he is good and his love endures forever. So we will still give him thanks. Someone said that our attitude ought to be gratitude. We ought to have an attitude of gratitude. A thanksgiving because God is good and his love endures forever. Talking about his love enduring forever, you know. Over 10 years ago, I was a doctoral student at the University of Texas, Pan American. And uh, about midnight, I went to my office, you know, to, you know, sit down and study for my dissertation. You know, I didn't want, I wanted to be away from children and be away from my wife and, and so that I can, I, I can spend some time and read and, and, and put that together. So when I came, I just wanted to pray a little bit and just ask the Lord for direction, for guidance so that I can plunge into reading my papers, beginning to write. And I, and I started uh, uh, a, a prayer. Uh, I, 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 just, I just heard a word, you know, in my, you know, not loud, but in my head as I was praying. And the Lord said, I love you. You know, when he said that, I mean, 
my mind started racing like, okay, if God loves me, what is it that I just did now that is very happy? He's so happy with me. So I was looking for things and in my head searching for the last thing I did that was very nice. And God said, no, 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 that's not what I said. I just said, I love you. And I said, oh, no, 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 God, wait, wait. When, when is the last time I preached to somebody? Or what did I do nicely is that God is so happy with me and he loves me. And then I searched again and God said, no, 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 no. You are struggling too hard. I said, I love you. And then at a particular time, I got frustrated because my thoughts were not, the way I was feeling about it was I wasn't, I was, I was still searching for something that I just did that would merit God's love. And I remember that in the midst of doing all of that, then I heard God say to my heart, and I will never forget this in a hurry. You know, he said, I love you, and nothing you have done or nothing you can ever do will make me love you more, and nothing you can ever and have ever done will ever make me love you less. From that day, my life was literally changed. I called that day my born again, again experience. Because it's not like I've not given my life to Christ. You see, but I had not come to a place where I understand the power of his grace. Because that's what his grace is really about. You don't need to do anything to deserve it. And you can't even deserve it, even if you try to. Because then you will never be measure up. You and me will never measure up to... The, his goodness. And so he said that. And I said, he said, nothing you ever do. From that day, I ceased performing. Performance was no longer a thing again. Because I knew I don't need to try to cook up something so that God will love me. In fact, when you understand the love of God for you and for me, it excuses you from certain things. Now, uh, I, just so you get it right, I'm not saying that you know you and me can go and live our lives the way we want to and do whatever we want to. And, and no, 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 that's what I'm saying. I am. What I'm saying is the reason why we live the life that glorifies God and the reason why we lift up our hands and honor Him from our hearts and our souls and with our bodies, the reason why we do that is because He has loved us. Not so that he will love us. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And the Bible says, if he loved us while we were sinners, how much more now that we have been redeemed? And so see how much God has loved us. And from that day, I began to say, no, 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 no. I, I be, here is where, the way I live my life. I say, does Christ deserve that? If Christ deserves it, then I claim it for me. Because I will never say, do I deserve it? Because who is me? Like, sinner, what, what, can, I, what can I deserve in and of myself? What can I deserve? So I say, if, if Christ deserves it, then I deserve it. And all of the great things that have, have happened in my life beginning from that time, even in my profession, in my career, and everything I do has always been from a place. If, if God can give this to Jesus, if God the Father can give it to Jesus, then he can give it to me. Because Jesus became the substitution. When God looks at me, he doesn't look at me. He says, okay, what, 
you know, if I believe in Jesus, he says, okay, what, does Jesus deserve this? And if Jesus deserves it, guess what? He gives it to me. Because now, Jesus has substituted for you and for me. And so whatever belongs to Jesus now rightfully belongs to us by faith in Christ Jesus. Amen? So, what am I saying? Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. You see, his love endures forever. So when we, so the Bible says here, you know, just where we read, you know, you saw, you saw it there, right? It said, it says that enter his gates with thanksgiving. You know, back in the day, they came into a, a physical temple. You know, and in fact, the temple was actually in Jerusalem. In other words, if you're not living near Jerusalem, guess what? You have to make a trip, a voyage. You have to plan a trip, you know, to come there. That's how serious it was. But the Bible says this is how we enter into the presence of God. It said when we hit those parking lots, we have to come with thanksgiving. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for my children and thank you for my job and thank you for where I am. And I know that things might not be going right, but you are good and your mercy still endures forever. We are supposed to come with a heart of gratitude, you know, not great, grateful because something good has happened, because he is good. And because he is good, we can trust God that with our lives that it is going to turn out good. Even, if the, when, even when the enemy means evil, he is still going to turn it out for good. So this is the way we enter into God's presence. Let me ask you, are you in God's presence this morning? But the only way you do that is through thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. So when you come, see, when you come into, even when you, I mean, I remember that in the, when we talk about the presence of God again, it's not longer like in the, back in the day when it was in the physical temple. But it, today, it, it, the presence of God is with you in your home. So when you rise up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, before you think about a bill that has not been paid, before you think about a mortgage that needs to be paid, before you think about a rent, before you think about this one, thank you, Lord. Because when you say that, what you are saying is, you are saying, this is how confident I am in you. That you are good. That you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. This is, you know, you are declaring your confidence in God. Again, what the power of thanksgiving too is manifested. You see, it is the way we pray effective prayers. It is through thanksgiving that we can pray effective prayers. Let me read you something that would, that would blow your mind. Philippians chapter 4, 6 to seven. It says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Look at the consequence when you do that. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the Bible says we are to pray. We are to offer petitions. You know, I was looking about, you know, because petition is always looked on the Bible to mean prayer. That's another substitute for prayer. But now I was asking, why are they using, you know, prayer and petition, which is prayer. It's like prayer and prayer. <laughs> you know, and I was looking at the Greek. The Greek words that they use is different. So the Greek word that is used for petition here is deces, which actually connotates, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
a sense of urgency. So it's not just prayer, but it's that kind of prayer that has a deadline, like, you know, you know, you know Monday, 10 a.m., it has to happen. You know, that kind of thing, like, my God, like, it's not just, I'm not just asking you to come, but you need to come quickly, right? <laughs> you need to come speedily in my situation. You know, it's like you are sick and like, oh, Lord, my God, you, you need to, it, something needs to happen, a miracle, some sort has to happen. But the Bible says, you see, do not be, it says, be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything. You know, you know what you and me do? We are very wise. We are very, we flip it the way around. Be anxious about everything. Pray about nothing. That's how we flip it. Now we, and then we are wondering why the results, we are getting the interesting results. Because there's no peace of God. That's why the whole time we are worried if you check, there are some people who did not come to church this morning because they are worried. And the anxiety will not even make them to go into that shower and jump in that car and come here. But when we are flipping the, the word of God. The Bible says, be anxious about nothing. It says, pray about everything. But it tells, tells us how to pray. It says, let us, it says, by prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving. I kind of look at this like somebody that is preparing a meal, right? It's kind of like, you know, you get the flour, you know, you have to mix it with some water or some milk or whatever. There is, if you take it and you don't put thanksgiving inside, it is like you are trying to prepare dough and there is no milk or there is no water, and you are just you just end up with your flour that you started with. It doesn't work. It says, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known. And say, so when you do that, guess what happens? Look at that. Verse 7. And the peace of God. The peace of God. So anytime you are not having peace of God after you have prayed. Most likely, you are missing the ingredient. You know how that if you prepare something, for those of you, I am not a good cook, but for those of you who cook, you know that sometimes the difference between a good steak and a not so good uh, steak is actually just how you, you, know, you played with the ingredients. You know? Sometimes you have to marinate it and then sometimes you have to do what... So, if you don't follow those instructions, guess what? You, you end up with something else, even though it's still meat, but there's a difference in meats. <laughs> right? So, you and me, maybe the reason why that peace of mind has not come is because you have not learned the secret. Yes, we have to pray. Yes, we have to ask things of Him, but with thanksgiving. It's a very important ingredient. It puts things together with. When I, when I read, read with Thanksgiving, it seems like you have to mix it. That's what you mix it with. You know, when you know how you want to make sure everything in the door, like that's how you mix it so that everything inside, like Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. You know, Lord, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving all through. And that is how we get our prayers answered. So to become an effective person who prays, learn how to use the secret of Thanksgiving. This month, let it be your month of Thanksgiving where you, you stand up and say, I thank you, Lord. You see, but not only that too, the third thing I wanted to share with us is it is a way that we turn around difficult situations in our lives. It's through Thanksgiving. 
And I will show you, you know, three examples of situations that were turned around in the Bible through the tool or the weapon of thanksgiving. The first one is in Matthew 14, 17 to 20. Let me read it for you. You know, this is the story of how Jesus fed 5,000. The 5,000 men, excluding women and children, you know, with five loaves of, loaves of bread and two fish. See that? It says in verse 17, we have here... Only five loaves of bread and two fish. That is the disciples talking to Jesus. They answered. Then Jesus said in verse 18, Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Now listen to this. This is the, the crux of it. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. What did he do? He gave thanks and he broke it. And the rest is history. He fed close to 15,000 people. Because we are told that, you know, Bible scholars believe that back in the day, if, they, if you counted 5,000 men, he said that there were likely more, more, than, more women than men. And of course, these women were always having children because now men and women, what about children now? And so he fed about 15,000 so or so people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And when he took five loaves, and wanted to pray. Watch his prayer. He didn't say, Lord, multiply these loaves. He didn't say, Lord, multiply the fish. He's, he gave thanks. Are you looking for a miracle prayer? I show you a way to pray a miracle prayer this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thanksgiving is a miracle prayer like you have never known. When you want, when you are standing there and you don't know how you are going to pay your bills for this month, what you do is not to begin to be angry against the person that, oh, it's, it's to say thank you. Because when you say thank you, what you are saying is, God, you are enough. You are good and your love for me endures forever. It does not matter what the enemy thinks. It does not matter what my, my, my enemies think. But you are God to me. It's a mark of confidence. It's a confession of our faith in God that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never, never depart from us. It's our statement of faith in him. So maybe when you go home today, go and take your checkbook. And lift it up to the Lord. And your checkbook depicting your, you know, your, your account. Maybe your account is minus. Maybe, you, you, in fact, you have even overdrawn the thing and, and they are waiting for that $36 you know, for, over, you know, for overdrawing your account, right? Maybe lift it up to him and say, thank you, Lord. When you are in lack, when you, when you need provision, when you need supernatural provision, because that was supernatural, how can you feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread. Come on. I mean, in fact, if you read another, uh, 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 you know, account of this story, you know, Jesus had an economist called Phillips. You know. Phillips said, please, Lord, even a year's worth of wages, you know, professors were in, you know, in, in Jesus' circle. They already calculated everything. They did the economic calculation and came out with how many years of wages it would take to feed 5,000 people. You know, he said, we can't, five loaves now. Come on. Five, what a and, and, and so what they said, that's why they told Jesus, let them go and help themselves. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You give them something. And then he showed them how you give people something. He says, when you lift it up to the Lord, 
And you say, thank you. So maybe what you need to start doing now is to thank God for that financial situation. Thank God for he is good. You are not thanking him because you are poor. You are not thanking him because you are in lack. Because you are in need. No, you are thanking him because he is good. And his love for you endures forever. It's not two days. It's not three days. The psalmist said, I have been young and now I am old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. No, his children begging bread. You can hold that. That's not, that, that, was, that was David's testimony about God. See, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. You are righteous. You can never be forsaken. It can seem like it is happening now, but it's just for a moment, stick in there, keep giving your thanks, keep giving, blessing his name, blessing the name of the Lord. Before you know it, it is going to be yours. Hallelujah. Says, that is what we have to do. But not only that, look at this. There's another example, you know, and Jesus was here standing in front of the grave of Lazarus. In John's Gospel, chapter 11, from 40 to 42, listen to this. It says, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Verse 41. So they took away the stone. So they rolled away the stone from Lazarus' grave. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. Oh my God. But I said this. For the benefit of the people standing here. For these dumb ones. Um, no, I'm sorry. Uh, that they may believe that you sent me. So see, see the way Jesus interacted with the Father? It says, it says, Lord God, I thank you because I know you have already heard me. So when you say a prayer of thanksgiving, what are you doing? You are saying, Lord, I know that you already know my need. You will already supply my need. But I said this not because I doubt who you are. I said this because of the confidence that I have in you. It says, I thank you. So imagine that he is standing in front of the tomb of a man who has been dead four days. In fact, it is said that it was already smelling. Uh, like the King James Version of it. It says, at this time he stinketh. <laughs> and I know he did some Shakespeare. <laughs> at this time he stinketh. You know, that was like, in fact, because they were telling Jesus, he said, roll the stone. They said, oh my Jesus, I don't know whether you really uh, like the perfume around here. I don't know if you really appreciate the perfume, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, anyhow, go roll the stone away. And then he gave thanks. And a smelly thing, from a smelly thing came something adorable. From a bad situation came something good. For he is good and his love endures forever. When you are in front of dead situation, a dead marriage, a dead relationship, this is what you have to do. Give thanks. Let's learn another new tool. Take this tool, put it in your arsenal of tools when you, when you seek God, right? The, the power of thanksgiving, the tool of thanksgiving, it's very powerful because it says that you already trust God. In fact, when you thank God, you don't even need to ask anything because by thanking him, you are already saying, I already have it. You see what Jesus said here? He said, I thank you because you have heard me. He has not even said anything. He said, you have heard me. 
I mean, when you read the Bible sometimes, kind of think about what you're saying. Say, reading, right? He says, you have heard me. And then he says, what? I knew that you always hear me. Look at the kind of prayer Jesus prayed. You know, because sometimes you have to kind of ask yourself, what kind of prayer works? You, you have been praying, give me, give me, give me all of these years. And So why not just try this? Look at how Jesus prayed. Just follow the example of Jesus. He said, I know that you hear me. So when you go back today, oh my God, as you're leaving church, say, Lord, I know you hear me. Concerning my car, concerning my home, concerning my children, concerning my marriage, concerning the sickness, concerning my family, I know you hear me. My God, prayer of miracle. And then he says, after he said this, he just says, Lazarus, come on, walk out. Oh my God, and Lazarus came from the grave because of a prayer of thanksgiving. But not only that, look at another third situation, and this is where I close for today. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 24, it says, and this is the passage that Pastor just read a while ago when we were taking communion. And this is Paul's account of what Jesus did. He says, For I received of the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. So, you know, I, 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 I brought, you know, I kept, I reserved some bread here today. Oops, man. Come on. All right. Good, good, good. Behave. All right. So, I, he says, on the night when he was betrayed, he did what? He took bread. And listen to this. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. When he had given thanks, let me, let me say something to you. That it would, and I pray that you would take this. A couple of weeks ago, and I even told Pastor this, you know, and I said, I was going through just a difficult time. You know, sometimes in your life, like a dark cloud over your life, you know, like things are going no way, and it just has a sense of hopelessness, and, it, you know, it just feels like things are, nothing is moving and all, and, all of that, and all of that. You know, and the Lord opened this scripture to me and says, Madison, he says, you know, what is going on in your life is that there is a satanic conspiracy over you. You know that the enemy plants you and tries to, you know that? The Bible says, we, you know, it says the Bible, we don't fight against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, spiritual hosts of darkness in the heavenly places. That's what we are, we are up against. You know, and he said to me, he says, but remember Madison, on the night when I was betrayed, can you put back, back that scripture, please? He says, on the night he was betrayed. The night in which Satan had a conspiracy to kill the Lord of Lords. That same night, he took bread. And when he took bread, he did not argue about it. He was giving thanks. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. When the enemy gathers around you and wants to kill your children, and wants to destroy your marriage, what you do is not complain. What you do is rise up in your home and give him thanks. Yeah. For he is good and his love endures forever. When he comes against your marriage, the thing is hold your wife's hand. Let know that it's not your wife's fault, it's not your husband's fault. It's a devil who does not want you to be together. You hold your hand and say, we give thanks for family, for the gift of family, for the gift of togetherness, for the gift of being in Christ. 
when the enemy is seeking to betray you. And when that day, when that thing happened, and then the Lord showed me, he said, Madison, go and take bread. You know, it's, it's funny, but I, I took communion by myself. He said, Father, this is your body. I gave thanks. He said, this is your body. This is what, can, can you put back that scripture? You know, I, I took, he says, this is my body. The next four words are very powerful. And I learned it from Pastor Ben. There was one day he was administering Lord's Supper here. And he just came and read this one. It just, it has never left me. It's about three years ago. It says, which is for you? You see, the body of Christ is for you. Your colleagues are against you. Your family is against you. Sometimes your children turn against you. But when he comes to Jesus, he is for you. Everybody can desert us. Even your partner can desert you, but he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That's why we worship him. So on the night, if you're feeling you have, like you have been betrayed, you feel like you have a satanic conspiracy, you feel like some dark cloud is above your life, this is the month to say thank you, Lord. And as you say thanks to the Lord because he is good, guess what is going to happen? Chains are going to be broken. Gates are going to be lifted because thanksgiving is the way that we come into his presence. Thanksgiving is the way that we pray effective prayers. Thanksgiving is the way that we turn situations around. Whether it's a starving situation or it's a dead situation or it's a betrayal situation, a conspiracy situation, he turns it around. Habakkuk puts it this way. In Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, he says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. I feel like this is talking to people in Wisconsin. Though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stone, yet... working for this guy here. He says, yet I will rejoice. Why? 